Welcome to this recording from Crossroad International Church. Today, we continue our series entitled Character Under Construction with a message on the fruit of the Spirit. We will discover in the moments that follow how to identify what it looks like to have authentic fruit of the Spirit, how to recognize the counterfeit works through the efforts of the soul, and lastly, how to avoid the works of the flesh. It is our prayer that God will use this recording to minister to you today and help you discover how to do an inventory of your life and recognize areas where the fruit of the Spirit hasn't reached its fullest potential. We will now join Pastor Steve and the message already in progress. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit, and let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Now, I'm not going to preach much today. I'm going to kind of be more in a teacher mode than preaching. Uh, I've got some things, and we're going to look at this a little different than normally you would look at the fruit of the Spirit because I want to do a contrast between what we have here in these verses in Galatians, which is the work of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. But then I want to bring in a third aspect, which is what I call the effort of the soul. And this is sometimes how we try to um, bake the fruit called the effort of the soul. So let me give you some definitions of each one of these and then we'll get into them. The fruit of the Spirit is basically the effortless manifestation of the nature of God that comes forth from a life that has been turned over to Jesus. If you have ever studied any agriculture or botany, Fruit, basically, is excess life. A tree tree or a plant is able to produce fruit because it has more nourishment, more nutrients, more life than it needs to grow, so it produces fruit. A tree that doesn't produce fruit shows you that there's something wrong with it, that it doesn't have excess life. 
So for every one of us as believers, we should have that excess life of God that is producing the fruit of the Spirit. The work of the flesh is basically actions which a person desires to do because of the sin nature working within them. The work of the flesh is basically the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. Now people say, yeah, but pastor, we've been redeemed. Doesn't that mean our old sin nature is gone? Wasn't it crucified on the cross? Wasn't it buried in baptism? So we no longer ever have to worry about the sin nature anymore. Let me ask you, how many of you are saved? You know Jesus as your Savior. How many of you have committed a sin since you were saved? How many of you committed one this year? This month? This week? I'm not going to ask about today. See, we are still dealing with the sin nature. Yes, we are redeemed. Yes, we have the power of God, and that's what it is. The power of God to overcome the sin nature. And then the next one is the effort of the soul. This is the use of our mental abilities, our emotional appeals, our willpower to serve God. The effort of the soul is a subtle counterfeit of the fruit of the Spirit. Now, everyone bears fruit. Every one of us bears some kind of fruit, either good fruit or bad fruit. And the Bible says that by their fruit, you will know them. That scripture is talking mainly about false teachers. He says, by their fruit, you'll know whether they're true teachers or false teachers. He says, a, a good tree can't give bad fruit and a bad tree can't give good fruit. You can't plant tomatoes and get avocados. The plant produces fruit after its kind. So when the Spirit of God comes to live in us, He brings His fruit with Him. Every person who is born again has the Spirit of God resident within them. And that Scripture, Matthew 7.20, talks about, and you will know them by their fruit. So we want to go through these nine fruit, and we're going to look first at the fruit of the Spirit, then at the work of the flesh, and then at the effort of the soul. So the first fruit of the Spirit listed here is love. And as you know, this is the God kind of love. It is the word agape. It's not an impulse of the feelings, and it does not always run with our natural inclinations. In other words, this is an ability by God, a fruit of the Holy Spirit that is in me, that helps me love people that I normally would not hang out with. This is the kind of love that even helps me love my enemies. It looks beyond race, color, creed, background, common interest, 
traditions, and even church doctrine. That last one's probably the hardest one for us to look beyond is our church doctrine. And I did this teaching one time and somebody says, why did you have race and color together? Well, I never thought about it till we lived in Africa and I had one of my African friends tell me he was trying to describe someone that had done something wrong. And he said, you know, he's that black one. I go, what? And I found out that in parts of Africa, there's discrimination even in the shade of your skin tone. Same thing in America. I think I've been told the same in India. All over the world, it's not just race, but it's also color. Sometimes it's do we have hair or do we not have hair? You know, all of these different things, you know, your size, your height, all of those. But this love, this fruit of the Spirit helps us. I just noticed something. The less hair people are on this side and the more hair people are on this side. What is that? Was that intentional? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> oh, where did I, that come from? I don't know. But anyway, the love of God, this fruit of the Spirit, helps us overlook all of these things to where we can genuinely love people regardless of where they fit into society. The work of the flesh here, the opposite of love is hatred. It's an intense dislike for someone and it's usually based on selfishness they're not like me now I know I'm not the only one that sometimes looks at somebody and go I just don't like them have no idea anything about them just maybe what they're wearing or the stance they look arrogant or something I go you know I'm now, that's not the fruit of the Spirit. Now, let's get into the effort of the soul. The effort of the soul is where very, or let me, okay, back up. The effort of the soul is where much religious activity takes place. I was going to say most, but much. Religious activity is in the effort of the soul. Now, the effort of the soul that goes along with love is friendship. Now, there's nothing wrong with friendship. We all need to have friends. But our friendship should be based on the fruit of the Spirit, love, and not something that we have in place of love. Now, this friendship I'm talking about is usually based on common interest, background, personality, or some type of compatibility. This friendship is based on what is best for me. It's social rather than spiritual. And it can easily be broken when the common factor is removed. Now, 
Hear me, there's nothing wrong with friendship. But too many times we let friendship be an imitation or be a substitute for genuine fruit of the Spirit, love. We should love out of, or we should be friends out of love, and our love should turn into friendship. So I wanted to make sure that you don't think I'm saying you don't have any friends, okay? I'm not, do you understand? You need to have friends and we need friendship, but it's based on the love of God, not just an effort of the soul. The next fruit is joy. Joy is a sense of pleasure produced by the Holy Spirit. This joy thrives in the midst of adversity. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 3 and 14, or 134, says that it is based on an eternal perspective. And that verse says, For you had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. See, people are attracted to a genuinely joyful person because it doesn't matter the circumstances, it doesn't matter the situation that you're in, you still have that joy of the Lord. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. I've had people come to me in different situations and say, how can you still be joyful with what's going on? It's because my joy is not tied to my circumstances. My joy is in the fact that I am a son of the Most High God and He is taking care of me. The work of the flesh that is the opposite of joy is revelings. This is a sense of pleasure produced by suspending the reality by the use of artificial stimulants, drugs, alcohol, you name it. The opposite of joy is just go out and party, be a party animal. I hope I hope as we're going through this, you can see where you are in the fruit of the Spirit. I hope none of you can identify with any of these works of the flesh. But most of us can identify with some of the efforts of the soul. So the effort of the soul for joy is happiness. A sense of pleasure produced by pleasant circumstances. And again, I'm not saying God doesn't want you to be happy. But your happiness is not based on your circumstance. Your happiness is an outflow of the joy of the Lord. There's a lot of teaching going on in parts of the church right now that God's number one concern for you is to be happy. It's not true. God's number one concern for you is to be holy. He says, I am holy, so you must be holy. And when we are obedient to God and we're working through the things that God's told us, we will be happy when we're holy. But God is not 
working our circumstances to make us happy all the time. See, this kind of happiness can be lost when the circumstance is no longer pleasant. Maybe you came to church this morning and you were very happy. You had a really good breakfast and a couple of cups of coffee and everything went well. And then halfway here, someone cut you off and immediately you lost your happiness. Understand? The next one is peace. The fruit of the Spirit, peace. It's a supernatural ability to be exempt from hostility. And it comes from the assurance that God is in total control. Remember, God's too wise to make a mistake, too powerful to fail, and He loves you too much to hurt you. See, we can have peace because I don't have to be in control. Now, I don't know about you, but I like being in control. Am I the only one? Anybody else like you? You're able to control your schedule. You're able to control your life. You're able to be in. I've got it set. Oh, you know, God, sorry, but this is not in my agenda. But see, we can have peace when we just turn it over to Him and know that God is in control. The work of the flesh is contentions. This is anything that is used to bring about a severing of fellowship. It's sectarianism, breaking fellowship because of doctrinal differences. The Baptists won't hang with the Pentecostals and the Pentecostals won't hang with the Catholics and the Armenians don't like the Calvinists and the pre-millennials don't like the post-millennials and the pre-trib raptures don't like the mid-trib raptures and you know, you name it. Those that sing hymns don't like those that sing choruses. Those that don't don't like those that sprinkle and you know, we, we have this whole sectarian thing that goes on in the church that we like our little clique of people that are like us. And so it brings contention and it breaks fellowship. Anything that breaks fellowship and causes us not to fellowship with another brother or sister because they are different is a work of the flesh. It's called contention. The effort of the soul is pacification. A temporary suspension of hostilities. I'll just pacify you for now. A simple compromise in, t in light of present circumstances. It's being a peacekeeper rather than a peacemaker. Dell, you've been in some areas with peacekeepers. What did the peacekeepers walk around with? Guns. Peacekeeper, to be a peacekeeper, you have to have power and authority. But we are not called to be peacekeepers. We are called to be peacemakers because the Prince of Peace lives inside of us and the Holy Spirit gives us that fruit, which is peace. 
The next one is long-suffering. Some translations use patience. Let me ask you, have any of you ever prayed for God to give you patience? Do you know that's a very dangerous prayer? Because the Bible says tribulation brings patience. We pray, oh God, give me patience. And then all hell breaks loose and we, rebu we rebuke the enemy. No, God's just answering our prayer. We ask for patience, so he gives us tribulation. Come on now. This is the ability given by God to face adversity with no reaction of anger. You have a wet fuse. I don't know if you've ever played with fireworks. Where I'm from, we used to do fireworks a lot. And one of the worst things was on a damp, muggy, humid day, trying to get the fuse lit because they're damp. For fireworks to really work, you need a dry fuse. But this long suffering, we need to have a wet fuse. Patience keeps faith alive in the midst of trying circumstances. Long suffering. Notice it's not short suffering or medium suffering. It's long suffering. How long do you need to suffer with someone? You know, the disciples were going to be very um, generous, and they said, Jesus, do I have to forgive him seven times? And Jesus said, no, 70 times seven, because the fruit of the Spirit is long suffering. The work of the flesh is wrath. Fits of anger or outbursts of anger. Maybe you know some people or work with some people like this. They're hot-headed, quick-tempered, shark-fused. Okay, ladies, no elbowing your husbands if they fit in this category, okay? And the effort of the soul is tolerance. I suffer pain and misfortune in a stoical fashion. I just grin and bear it. And repression of the real feelings of anger for a short period. Sometimes we have to do these before God works in us that fruit of the Spirit. The next one is kindness. There's only a couple of more. God give an attitude that regardless of the response, Benevolence will be shown. Luke 6.35, But love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For He is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Doesn't matter what someone does to me, I am going to be kind to them. I'm having to learn this on the highways of Kuwait. 
The work of the flesh is envy. Feelings of displeasure produced by seeing others being blessed in ways that you are not. Keeping up with the neighbors, basically this is jealousy. I'm jealous when someone else gets something that I didn't get. So I'm going to go out and do everything I can to keep up with them. And the effort of the soul is mutual benevolence. Benevolence is offered when goodwill is returned or responded to in a favorable manner. Dale, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. No kindness is, I see him itching, I just come scratch his back hoping for nothing in return. It's trading in favors. You do me a favor, I'll do you a favor. Then goodness. Goodness is a moral quality that gives a believer the ability to fulfill what is pleasing in the sight of God. The Holy Spirit reveals to us what is pleasing and we respond in obedience. Goodness is being obedient to God. The work of the flesh is uncleanness, a total lack of moral restraint or character, whatever feels good, do it. And then the effort of the soul is self-righteousness. Obedient to a set of laws and regulations, despising others who do not comply with the way you do things. We see that happen a lot. And then faithfulness. Faithfulness is consistency in following the directions of the Lord, loyalty to the Word of God, not hearers only, but doers of the Word. And then 2 Timothy 2.2 says we go and teach others to do the same thing. Who do we teach? Those that are faithful. The work of the flesh is dissensions. It tries to destroy everything that faithfulness has built up. Bringing slander against the children of God or building your spirituality by pulling others down and teaching heresy. When we lived in Haiti, um, we found out something. If my child is doing better than your child in school, Rather than you encouraging your child to do better, you go to the witch doctor to place a curse on my child to do worse. And see, we, we in this attitude of dissension, is I climb the corporate ladder by making those around me look worse than me. That's not a fruit of the Spirit. That's not the way to get ahead. And then the effort of the soul is duty. Duty. Consistency in performing religious commands. Devotion to the command of giving rather than the devotion to Jesus to be a cheerful giver. I give because I'm commanded to rather than I give because I love Jesus. And I want to bless his work. And then gentleness. 
Some translations use meekness. This is power or strength under control. This is the word used by training wild animals for a useful purpose. And it's yielding to the power that is within us to the Holy Spirit to make us useful. The work of the flesh is selfish ambition or strife. Using the gifts and the strengths of God to promote the desires of the flesh. Living a me-centered life. You can even find this in the church today. Listen to some of the popular um, choruses and Christian songs that are coming out today. They're all me-centered. It's all about what God can do for me and how God will bless me and me, me, me throughout the songs rather than being focused on who God is. And then the effort of the soul is weakness, just wimpy, weak-kneed, mealy-mouthed believer never standing up for righteousness. Oh, whatever they want to do, that's okay. That's that effort of the soul trying to be gentle. And then the last one is self-control. Some translations use the word temperance. This is to control the bodily fleshly appetites. The Holy Spirit energizes my will, giving me the power to resist and overcome the fleshly desires. Moderation in everything. I've said before I love chocolate cake, but I have to not eat a lot of it because the older I get, the easier it is to put on pounds and the harder it is to take them off. And I've learned if I want to moderate my weight, I have to moderate what I eat. Okay? Moderation and everything. The work of the flesh is lewdness. Total lack of self-control. Indulging in any fleshly desire to excess. We see this a lot coming out of Hollywood and um, sports figures and things. They have everything going for them and then they get mixed up in drugs or all kinds of things and their life just takes a tailspin. And then the effort of the soul is willpower. I control the appetite simply by the use of my will. You can receive freedom from some habits by sheer willpower, but you will never fulfill the spiritual need which caused the habit to come into being. Now as I said before, sometimes these efforts of the soul... That's where we start before the fruit is completely manifested. An example, when I first got saved to start reading the Bible, that took an act of my will, and then I fell in love with the Word, and now if I don't read it, I'm not happy. Okay? So let me just ask you in closing... And I'm asking this to me. You can ask this as a personal question. How 
do I live? Do I live by the fruit of the Spirit? Are these fruits manifested in my life? Or do I live by the work of the flesh? Or do I live by the effort of the soul? And if I would be honest with you, I can say, yes, sometimes, too much. Yes, I live by the fruit of the Spirit. Sometimes I still get caught up in the work of the flesh. And too often, I operate out of the effort of the soul. And my desire today for every one of us, with our character under construction, we're a work zone. And as I said before, we need a sign tattooed to our forehead, danger, construction zoned. Be careful. Because how many of you know we can hurt one another if we're not careful? But see, if I know Dell is under construction and if he does something that hurts me, it's okay because he, God's still working on him. I'm the same way. Sometimes I may do something, I may come in and not greet you or something and I'm not doing it on purpose, but I'm still under construction, so I'm still human. Amen? So we need to pray and ask God to help us move out of the effort of the soul and more into the fruit of the Spirit. See, I can't open your heart and tell whether you are saved or not. But I can inspect the fruit of your life and see, yes, this person has the fruit of the Spirit in their life, so they're a child of God. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just come to you right now and we thank you for this time and we ask your blessings upon your word. Father, I know this has been a, a long teaching. Father, we ask that you would help us to walk in the fruit of your spirit. And we give you the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. And may you walk out of this place with the peace that passes all understanding, ruling and reigning in your hearts, and walk in the Spirit with His fruit. In Jesus' name, amen.